Welcome to the Innovation in Government show sponsored by Kerasoft. Each month we'll talk with industry experts who enable innovation and make government more responsive and secure by advancing key technologies. Now here's your host, Jason Miller. Welcome to the show today. My guest is Chris Townsend, the Vice President of Federal for Symantec. Chris, welcome to the program. Thanks, Jason. Let me set some context for, before we get started for our discussion. In May, the White House released the first ever cyber risk assessment for the federal government. The comprehensive look across 71 agencies found, generally speaking, agencies lacked threat information that led to ineffective allocations of agencies' limited cyber resources. The administration says this situation creates enterprise-wide gaps in network visibility, IT tool and capability standardization, and common operating procedures, all of which negatively impact federal cybersecurity. The White House found 25 agencies are managing risks successfully, while 59 agencies are at risk and 12 agencies are considered high risk where they're not managing their cybersecurity challenges well. To help address these shortcomings, OMB detailed four recommendations. These include increased cybersecurity threat awareness by implementing cyber threat framework to prioritize efforts and manage cybersecurity risks. Standardize IT and cybersecurity capabilities to control costs and improve asset management. Consolidate Agency Security Operations Center to improve incident detection and response capabilities. And drive accountability across the agencies through improved governance processes, recurrent risk assessments, and engagements with leadership. OMB's report highlights a myriad of, of what I'll call bad habits that have developed over the past decade, but it also demonstrates the constant need for cybersecurity protections to evolve. And over the past decade, the realization that agencies need to reduce complexity, have advanced protections at the data level, and maybe most importantly, take that risk management approach by focusing on the most important IT assets first. So how can agencies continue that evolution of their cyber thinking? Well, that's where my guest comes in. Once again, Chris Townsend, the Vice President of Federal for Symantec. Chris, let's just start with the maybe the state of cybersecurity as Symantec sees it. You guys work with a lot of federal customers. Do you get a sense that this evolution continues or are we stuck in, in running a little bit of mud here? What are you seeing from federal customers? No, the evolution certainly continues. The challenge that we have, in, and uh, in your introduction, you called it out very well in, 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 the, uh, in the four findings of the threat assessment or the, the cybersecurity assessment, there's still a tremendous amount of complexity in cybersecurity. Uh, most cyber environments are built out very reactively as a new threat emerged. You went out and bought a new tool, and today there's a tremendous complexity of tools without any type of integration or standardization, and it uh, drives a tremendous amount of cost, a tremendous amount of operational complexity. And at the end of the day, complexity is the enemy of a strong cybersecurity posture. So we really need to start to move to, toward a more standardized approach and we need industry leaders and government leadership to step up and start to drive toward a uh, solving for this complexity and improving our security posture. People hear the word complexity and they go, well, what do you mean by that? I have Einstein and I have some CDM tools. Oh, and I also have this other tool that it's not a part of Einstein or CDM. And is that just the layers and layers of tools you're talking about is the complexity or is it the way the approach or a little bit of both? A little bit of both, certainly. So Einstein aside, that's a, that's a separate interesting topic that, you know, we could, we can delve into certainly, but you know, looking at all the various layers in, uh, and let's just talk on-premise before we jump into cloud, but we talk on-premise when we talk about the layers of, of security tools that are deployed, and you touched on a number of them, but you've got endpoint tools, you have network tools, you have data protection tools, you have user identity management tools. So there are great best-of-breed technologies out there to solve all these individual security needs, certainly, but those tools don't talk a common protocol or a common language to be able to share information. If you look across the rest of IT, we've seen standardization in almost every other segment of IT, whether it's networking or storage or ERP systems or operating systems. So you have that 
level of interoperability that doesn't exist today with security tools. So what we're forcing our very limited resources and our security operators and our, our uh, threat analysts to correlate and really start to, to drive uh, interoperability between the tools using a human element, which is not uh, scalable and certainly not agile enough to respond to the state-sponsored threats and bad actors that we're facing on a day-to-day basis. Is this lack of interoperability, this lack of standardization your fault? Meaning Symantec, McAfee, Trend Micro, you name the, the vendor? Or is it the opposite side, the agency's fault, because they just are shiny objecting, if you will? Great question, and it's and it's both. So I'll absolutely take that responsibility as a vendor. And when I go out and meet with our customers, we talk about this all the time, that we've developed a lot of capabilities in our tools. You mentioned this again in your opening around tool consolidation and, and, and standardization and taking some of the cost out of our, our tool sets. And we have redundant investment in a lot of these tools. So for example, we have an endpoint technology called uh, Semantic Endpoint Protection. That's a, it's a very broad tool set that protects the endpoint. We've built a lot of capability into that tool set over the last few years. Shame on us as a vendor if we haven't gone in and educated our customers on how to drive more value from that existing investment. And that's one, been one of my core focus areas for the last couple of years that have been with Symantec, that our account teams get out and educate our customers on, hey, you made this investment with us. Let us tell you about the additional capabilities and where you can start to consolidate some of those tools and drive down costs. Because we'll see customers that have had a threat that they had to go protect against and they go buy a new tool and that tool would provide a redundant capability of, of something they already had in SEP, for example. So it's us. And then on the, you know, the other part of that question, it is a fault of the industry in terms of uh, there was a real thought for years on vendor diversity and best of breed technology, which kind of drove this shiny object you know, toys to tools approach uh, that that's caused a lot of this complexity as well. And we need to shift away from that and take more of a platform and an integrated architecture approach that we've taken in all other segments of IT. One of the things that you bring up uh, that's interesting is very similar to the data center optimization consolidation effort. I I see a big analogy here. When OMB first started looking at data centers, you know, back in, in, I would say the the early 2010s, they found utilization was like 15%, 20%. So when agencies needed more storage or more power. They just bought a new server versus saying, okay, is this current server at maximum capacity? And then they found a bunch of 15%, 20%ers. Do you see that same analogy? And, and how are agencies starting to kind of get out of that, if you will, rut of, well, we'll just buy another tool versus educating, as you said, what they already have and what they can already use? Yeah, great analogy, spot on. So the lack of of utilization or, or maximizing utilization of the data center tools is is certainly analogous to what's happening in security today and and buying and, and buying these redundant tools. But it's not just a cost issue when you buy all these redundant systems. It's a security posture issue as well because now you're creating complexity in your security environment that ends up eroding your security posture, not not improving it. One of the things that you guys are talking about is more of this integrated defense platform. And, and this goes back to the beginning when we talked about risk management. And yeah. so maybe talk about what, what an integrated cyber platform really does look like. You know, we've talked a lot about the complexity of the on-premise environment, needing to get our arms around that and, and solve for the complexity and drive more interoperability and standardization. But now if we think about the move to the cloud, and now we're adding a whole, a whole separate level of complexity on top of the on-prem environment. So, we're, you know, the idea that hey, you move to cloud and you're going to drive down costs and take some of the complexity out of your environment is is true, but it doesn't happen immediately. It's not a, a switch that you flip. You don't move to the cloud on the Wednesday, right? You move over time. And as you move, you end up standing up 
redundant systems. You end up you, you have redundant cost redundancy. Uh, I think a lot of the agencies and the folks that are appropriating to move to or to invest in moving to the cloud don't realize that you have to absorb some additional costs in that first year or first two years as you move to the cloud over time. Same with your security environment. You've got a security stack or security environment on-prem. Now you need to stand up a separate security environment in the cloud. How do you do that without exacerbating the existing problem of complexity and cost? And and by building an integrated security platform that extends from on-prem into the cloud, for example, a lot of agencies have stood up DLP. DLP is a very complex system when you start to stand that up uh, on-premise. You have to identify your high-value assets. You have to identify what you want to monitor with a DLP system. Standing that up in a cloud environment is, is a heavy lift. But if you can extend your on-prem DLP policies into the cloud through a cloud access security broker, through an integrated architecture, it really solves for that complexity. We have an architecture that does that, but we're also building a standards-based security fabric that we call ICDX, Integrated Cyber Defense Exchange, with a number of industry partners around open standards, leveraging Stix Taxi, leveraging OpenC2, leveraging the REST APIs, that will hopefully move the industry to more of a standardized approach in, in starting to solve for the complexity and driving interoperability. I mean, we'd like to see we'd like to see our customers out there all adopt the Symantec platform, but we know that's not realistic. Uh, we really want to build a, a standards-based security fabric that will drive interoperability out there and start to solve the problem. Let me back up on one thing. You mentioned DLP, just to make, clarify this, data loss prevention. Yes. Okay, just making sure of that. Because we all get lost in the acronyms, so we'll be careful of that. Uh, and then the other piece of it is, I'm glad you brought up the standard-based security fabric. Where are we with that development? You said it's it's not just semantic; it's a, it's a broader industry effort. Is that done? You know, version one is done per se, or, or is version one coming? Yes, we recently announced uh, version one of the ICDX fabric and the partnerships. We have over 140 industry partners as part of that uh, part of that rollout. We're going to have a larger industry announcement, a rollout at Black Hat in the next couple of weeks. So you'll hear a lot more about that. But our initial release of that uh, solution was um, about a month ago. What comes next? So I know the rollout's educating people. So how does this fabric kind of fit into kind of that broader effort? It's a mindset shift in a, in a different approach. So again, if you think about how we built out our security environments today, we have all these disparate tools. We need to sit down you know, industry and government, industry partners together and work with our federal agencies to figure out where we can solve for complexity and how we can shift away from this shiny object, tools-based, fragmented environment to more of an integrated platform approach. So our first step is to get the ability to implement a platform and, and ICDX will give us that ability. We need to form the industry partnerships and get the communication between the very various industry leaders out there. You know, the Cyber Threat Alliance is a good example of where that's really working well. Our CEO, Greg Clark, is working closely with the CEO of Palo Alto and other industry partners to do threat data sharing between industry to, to solve for things like WannaCry and not patch in some of these other uh, events that we've seen recently, we can leverage that platform, the Cyber Threat Alliance, to start to drive better interoperability, right? But the first step is is getting the ability to implement interoperability in, around this common platform, get everyone to buy in, all the industry partners in, in our federal agencies to say, hey, this is the direction we want to go, and then start to implement it. But it's it's not going to be a uh, quick process necessarily. It's, it's going to be a mindset shift. Standards processes like that are never the quick fix, unfortunately, if, if you only could just plug and play. One of the things I want to touch upon before we take a quick break is around this idea of buying down risk. And, and as I opened up with about the risk assessment that agencies are, are very much at risk, that they're not doing the things maybe necessary to ensure that they're mitigating or dealing with risks. 
this lack of complexity seems maybe a little bit obvious, but maybe walk me through a little bit. If there's less complexity, there's less risks. It's the same thought processes tick. If there's less internet gateways, you have less surface area. But maybe walk me a little bit through how all this kind of fits into this broader idea. Yeah, the idea of buying down risk is is unique in that in the past, we always thought about, hey, we're going to keep everything bad out of the environment. We're going to build this hard perimeter around our systems, and we're not going to let anything in. Well, we've come to the realization that ultimately these you know, state-sponsored threats, these, these focused attacks are ultimately going to get into the environment. So how do we, instead of trying to throw every dollar and every resource we have at, at building a hard perimeter around our environment, how do we first identify our high-value assets and then make our investments to buy down the vulnerability to those high-value assets? It's really what we mean in terms of buying down risk. So the shift for our chief information security officers, our CISOs, starts to shift away from being technology experts in, in building these hard perimeters and more focused on doing business analysis and understanding how to quantify the risk associated with a particular asset and how to invest our limited resources in limiting the risk around our core assets and our organization, knowing that we're probably going to get breached in some areas, but as long as our high value assets are protected, then that's success, right? So that's really the idea of buying down risk. Are you starting to see that? Are agencies starting to really understand that that issue? Yeah, they are. They are. So we really see a shift in terms of, and that, that goes back to the accountability that me- you mentioned in your open, right? If if our, our agency leads, our CIOs, our CISOs are more accountable and the folks that own the budget, this, uh, even the CFOs and a lot of our, our agencies now are, are more accountable uh, in terms of protecting against cyber risk, then we're starting to apply some uh, quantifiable metrics to how to how and where and to invest in our our security tools to mitigate those risks, but taking more of a business approach rather than a technology approach. And really, that's what I've heard over the last you know again 15, 20 years is the business, the business, the business. Maybe all the cyber breaches finally is getting us there. Chris, let's take a quick break. You're listening to the discussion innovation in government, sponsored by Kerasoft on federalnewsradio.com and fifteen hundred AM. It's time to redefine government cybersecurity, to protect data no matter where it travels, to accelerate threat intelligence sharing, to build an unrivaled cyber workforce, to put security at the forefront as we add millions of devices to our connected world. Want to join the movement? Join us on October 30th at the Semantic Government Symposium in Washington, D.C. Let's reimagine what's possible in government cybersecurity. Register today at semantic.com backslash symposium. That's semantic.com backslash symposium. Welcome back. You're listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. I'm your host, Jason Miller. My guest today is Chris Townsend, the Vice President of Federal for Symantec. Now, Chris, before break, you mentioned the cloud, and you mentioned this idea of on-prem and, and cloud and, and how a lot of agencies are going to be having systems and data and networks that kind of are going to be dual. It's this, the parallelness of, of moving to the cloud takes some time. Is this adding that additional complexity to this cybersecurity challenge, or is that the short-term view and the long-term view is it's the cloud's really going to take away a lot of that complexity? It's a little of both. So as we initially move to the cloud, if we don't get this right initially, it can cause a lot of additional complexity. Again, we need to figure out how to extend the on-premise security policies to the cloud, and we really need to start to shift our security enforcement the data in the application itself and have our security policy follow the user, no matter whether the user accesses that data direct to net on a government furnished device or a non-government furnished device. And that's really a a significant shift in how we uh, implement security today. 
Now, if we take the same approach to security that we've taken on-prem, where we buy a, a bunch of disparate tools and all of them reside in a separate cloud environment, you know, if you can imagine that, it'd be chaos, right? You'd be bouncing back and forth from cloud provider to cloud provider before you ever got to your applications, and that's not going to uh, be sustainable. Likewise, if you buy security from each one of the SaaS or IaaS providers, it's you know, software as a service or infrastructure as a service, you buy their particular tool set, now you've got multiple uh, security policies and, and systems that you have to manage. We really, our vision is to build a integrated cloud security control point that is extensible from your on-prem environment. So now you have a single security control point for both your on-prem environment and your cloud environment that's fully integrated. And that's, that was our vision when Symantec acquired BlueCode and acquired the uh, Casby platform and acquired our web isolation platform is to bring all those systems together in a standards-based manner to give you that range of on-prem to hybrid to cloud in a single architecture. The way you described it, I would say, gives me a little bit of worry, right? Because you, you made, the, I think, a very fair point that says you don't want one set of security policies and tools under your SaaS and one set of under your IaaS and one under your PaaS. But now you're saying, let's put a platform and help me, maybe help me put a finer point on this, put a, put this kind of thin layer of security above everything. So aren't we creating just another trusted internet connection, which which is a problem, we'll get to that in a second, I know, but it was just problem in and of itself that it becomes this... Um, hindrance to get into the, your cloud uh, help me understand no, I, yeah I, again great great question the uh trusted internet connections when they were first conceived were absolutely the right solution at the right time right and, and i'm going to jump in and it wasn't for the cloud we, yep. we weren't even talking about the cloud back Correct. in 2007 2008 so with all due respect to our friends in omb <laughs> go ahead that's right so when when the when the when the tick trusted information connection was first conceived it was really to reduce the attack surface consolidate connectivity to the internet so you knew where your internet connections were and make sure that they were all going through a common security architecture that a standard that was developed by omb and dhs and it was it was very successful it solved the problem but as now we're moving more toward the cloud the current tick architecture doesn't do a good job of supporting direct to net connectivity to the cloud it forces users to hairpin back through their uh, agency network, usually with a VPN connection, and then go back out to the cloud, which breaks a lot of the the improved uh, productivity and agility that, that the cloud promises. I'm certainly not uh, saying that we need to build a new tick stack, if you will, although I think um, if, if looking ahead, tick 3.0, and we're doing a lot of work today with OMB and DHS to modernize that tick architecture to support a uh, direct to net connection and, and to extend the on-prem controls that that are necessary from the tick into the cloud and then augment that tick environment with cloud-based controls like Casby, for example, that has API integration into, in, into Office 365 or ServiceNow or Salesforce or Oracle Cloud, the, the, the other cloud applications that are out there. So you can start to extend your security controls into those cloud environments and protect that data where the data lives. What I'm saying in terms of a common platform to connect securely to the cloud is we, we don't want to have multiple security stacks. We want a single cloud-based architecture. And, and again, it doesn't have to be all Symantec, but we need to have, uh, again, using the ICDX fabric or some other standards-based approach to integrate these systems and not have a bunch of disparate systems sitting out in a cloud environment. And I think that helps because one of the things you don't want people to, to walk away from our conversation on is going, oh, great, here's another vendor saying, put more tools in front of my ability to get to the cloud. And, and that being said, the reason why these tools have got to be 
you're, you're calling for this, this more standard architecture, the standard framework is because of where the security has to happen today. It used to be protect the perimeter, you know, the old, you know, walls and gates and, and, you know, moats. And now it's all about the data. So maybe talk a little about how this is also getting us toward really the focus on where the data resides and, and the data itself, protecting it from hackers and attackers. Yeah, your data is not sitting in a locked data center anymore behind a, you know, a steel door with you know, biometric authentication, right? Your data is now sitting in a cloud environment and it's sitting in Microsoft and Amazon and, and that's okay, right? It, it, it allows the data to be more easily accessed and more usable and, and, uh, and, and that's, that's fine. But we have to evolve the way that we're implementing security around that data and knowing that it's not sitting in a hardened data center someplace, we need security systems and tools that secure that data where that data lives. And uh, you know, you talked earlier about identifying your high-value high assets. You talked uh, about technologies like data loss prevention. We need to do a better job of, of making sure we understand. You know, and the, our agencies need to do a better job of making sure we understand what our high-value data is, how to identify that high-value data, and how to secure that high-value data when it's outside of our perimeter. Because federal agencies, you know, you go back to accountability, federal agencies are still accountable for protecting their data, even if that data is sitting in a FedRAMPed data center environment for a SaaS or, or IaaS provider, right? There's still that accountability and making sure that data is secure. That has been really drummed into agencies' brains over the last maybe three, four, five years, that just because it's in a FedRAMP-approved, moderate-level security stack, you still have ultimate responsibility. And that kind of takes me down the path of what something you mentioned earlier is you know, shift the enforcement to the data, to the app itself. What you're talking about in many ways is the old roles and responsibilities when it comes to authentication, verification of the identity of the user. Does Chris Townsend have access to this data? If so, can he read it? Can he write it? Can he change it? Is that part of this cloud, um, this security framework we're starting to talk about, the roles and responsibilities? Yeah, absolutely. So if we secure the data, and then we make the security policy extensible so it follows the user around no matter what device that user's using to access the data or where they're accessing the data from. Now, certainly identity management becomes critically important to make sure that user is who they say they are. The other piece that we're implementing, for example, in our, our cloud access security broker technology, we have API integration with all of the SaaS or the majority of the large SaaS providers and IaaS providers. We can do behavioral analytics in the cloud environment. So if you've got someone, a user that accesses a piece of data in a Microsoft Office 365 environment, and they are accessing a, a, a different segment of the environment that they, than they normally would or pulling down a large amount of data on a non-government-owned device in a remote location, um, we can flag it, report it, block, block that behavior. So being able to do behavioral analytics on the user actions in the cloud environment is going to be uh, critically important as well as uh, in addition to augmenting um, better identity management. So we've spent a lot of time talking about this broad idea of we got to change, you know, reduce complexity. We have to have standards. Where is it happening in government? Is there any examples you can provide or even in industry, maybe some customers? And even if you can't be specific of the, sure. is, of the customer, maybe just give me give me a sense of, of is this already happening? Well, I'll, I'll say this, the message is, is certainly resonating. Uh, when I was out at RSA a few months ago, every meeting I had with uh, our federal leaders, almost across the board, everyone's in agreement that we need a new approach and we need more of a standards-based model. We need to see more integration. We need the better automation in the tools. You know, we hear a lot about machine learning and AI and they're 
they're great buzzwords right now, and, and most vendors have some ML and AI capability in their systems. But if you can't apply that broadly across your security environment, you're really limited in the benefit of those technologies. And I think what we're really talking about when we talk about machine learning and artificial intelligence is really building an automation across the tool sets. And I, and I think every CISO out there that you'll talk to, and I don't want to certainly talk on behalf of all the CISOs out there, but I, I think they would all say they'd like to use more automated tool sets across their environment to reduce the burden and the noise on their uh, security operators, right? They have very limited security operations resources. And how do you make those folks, mo- how do you, how can you make those folks more effective? Let's limit the noise uh, that they have to deal with every day. And we can do that through more intelligent tools, but that comes with integration and automation and industry working more closely together and working more closely with our government customers. When I talk to chief information officers, when I he- go to panels or CISOs talk, a lot of times you hear about this automation orchestration piece and, and how important it is. I'm not sure how many are starting to use it. I think there's a lot of pilots, a lot of tests. Do you get a sense that agencies are interested, but maybe they're they're a little hesitant or are the tools not quite ready for them or what's happening in the market today? You know, we've been driving th- this idea of integrated cyber defense now at Symantec for the past year and a half. And, you know, you talk about examples of, of where, it's, where, where we're seeing it implemented because of the procurement cycles in the government, because of the evaluation cycles in the government, because of the size and complexity, a lot of our government systems, because of the, you know, proprietary legacy applications and systems, it's just going to take longer to roll that approach out. But I'll give you a, um, a, uh, an example. We had a large financial customer. I can't name who it is, but I, they invited us in and they said, hey, the, the ICDX approach, the platform approach makes a lot of sense. Here are all the security vendors that we're using in our environment. Come in and prove to us that you can consolidate these vendors, show us where you can consolidate them, come in and then prove it in our lab. And if you do, you know the capital expense savings and the soft cost savings over the long term, the improved operational efficiency, reduced total operating cost, and total cost of ownership and the improved security posture is well worth the investment. And uh, and they did. They they standardized across the board where they could on the Symantec platform and uh, save tens of millions of dollars in a very short period of time by doing that and increase their overall security posture. So the answer is yes, we're seeing this outside of federal. And we're beginning to see the adoption uh, with our federal customers as well. That's a great example. I really appreciate it because I think so many times people, we talk about these things, but okay, who's really doing it? So thank you for that. Chris, this has been a fascinating conversation. We're almost out of time before I let you go. Talk maybe a little bit about what's the takeaway. You know, Jason, it all starts with a plan, right? And and again, I, I would encourage all of our agency leads and you know the my industry partners and competitors out there, we need to sit down and have a better dialogue and, instead of us, you know, the vendor community showing up and saying, hey, buy this latest, greatest tool and and you know our customers keeping us kind of this this arm's length. Hey, we're the customer, you're the vendor. Let's sit down and talk about the challenges that we're trying to solve, the evolution that the agencies are trying to move toward the cloud and move toward secure mobile, and work more closely with the vendor community out there and bring competitors together in a conference room and force them to work together and, and start to solve these problems. And then we need to develop a plan. So. Here's where you are today. You have all these fragmented tools. Where can you consolidate? Where can you save costs? Where can you become more operationally efficient? And let's put together a three-year plan to work toward over time. And if we execute on that plan together, again, using this idea of buying down risk and identifying high-value assets and consolidating tools and improving operational efficiency and driving down costs, we'll get there. But 
we need to take a um, a more strategic approach to the problem. All right, excellent advice. Unfortunately, we are out of time for today. Let me thank my guest, Chris Townsend, the Vice President of Federal Force Mantech. Chris, thank you very much. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate the time. I'm Jason Miller, and you've been listening to the discussion Innovation in Government, sponsored by Kerasoft, on federalnewsradio.com and 1500 AM. For more on this discussion, visit federalnewsradio.com and search Innovation. Thank you for listening to the Innovation in Government show, sponsored by Kerasoft on Federal News Radio 1500 AM and federalnewsradio.com. The entire discussion can be found on demand at Federal News Radio, keyword innovation.